There's still a really strong misconception that Christians don't suffer, don't have negative experiences, are somehow insulated from that because of our faith. Um, and the Bible just doesn't promise us that, you know? Um, and so in some ways, I feel like we aren't as alert to the things that are happening in our minds or how previous experiences maybe are affecting us because we have this false belief that, hey, I'm okay, I'm a Christian now, I'm good, I'm just gonna, you know, go to church and live my life and everything will be fine. And we kind of forget to pay attention to what's really happening in our mind. When you look at faith in our relationship with God, it starts in the mind too, right? Like to have faith, I have to believe God exists. That's a function of my mind, right? I have to believe that He died for me. I have to believe that He loves me. Those are all thoughts that we have to filter through our minds. What we experience when we read scripture, that's filtered through our mind. When we hear sermons, that's filtered through our mind. And so if our filter is off, right? If, if how we're interpreting things is off, then everything is going to be distorted. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I am so grateful you're joining us today. Have you ever thought, man, I should really go see a therapist? Now, I know therapy gets a little bit of a bad rap. Some people are hesitant to do that, but maybe you've thought, I really need to talk to somebody about this because I can't untangle what's happening. Think about the last time you couldn't figure out why you acted the way you did in a stressful situation, or why you said the thing that you know you shouldn't have said, but you did anyway, and you know how hurtful it was. If I'm being really honest, this happens to me way too often. Friend, you might be surprised to know that your reaction to that stressful situation was not an accident. In fact, it probably wasn't even out of character. We do these things all the time, and they are most likely the result of a lifetime of events and inputs that create narratives in our lives about who we are and how the world works. And so often, we act out of those false narratives for a bunch of reasons. The reason I bring it up are these events, these narratives, they also impact us spiritually because they inform us about what we believe about God and who He is, and they impact our ability to hear His voice and discern what He's trying to say to us. Now, if your brain is exploding, you're in great company. I am still trying to figure this out, but today you're in for a treat. This conversation is with a new friend of ours at Sequel, Dr. Latanya Carter. She is a practicing clinical psychologist, and she is actively working with patients here in Michigan to help them untangle the mess in their interior worlds. And the reason why I wanted to talk to her is because she is also a follower of Jesus. In fact, not only is she a PhD psychologist, she also has a master's in divinity too, and she is the perfect person to have this conversation. So I just had to sit down with her and ask her, how do we navigate our interior world as we learn to discern between the voice of the enemy, our voice, and the voice of God? Here's my conversation with Dr. Latanya Carter. 
Carter. Welcome to Free and Light. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us in your uh, beautiful space yes. here. I feel at home. I feel like, actually, I feel like uh, maybe I'm going to get a counseling session here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we were talking before this, uh, you said you're writing a book. Tell yes. me about this book that you're writing. Yeah, so it's called Exposed. Lessons on Sin and Shame from the Woman Caught in Adultery. And so we're looking at how sin manifests in our life, how shame and fear uh, keep us in habitual cycles of sin, Mm -hmm. uh, and how we can use psychology and faith to break those cycles in our lives. I don't know anything about shame. <laughs> so that's for no somebody one does, else. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh man, that is uh, that's exciting. Um, it, it's really interesting how that ties into the conversation we're going to have today mm-hmm. about these false narratives and how the mm-hmm. both you know our voice and the voice of enemy can really play tricks on us and can send us down a path maybe you know God didn't intend for us. Absolutely. Yeah. So just tell us a little bit about your background because. You're a bit of a unicorn. (laughs) Really. I mean, you have this really interesting background Mm -hmm. that makes you uniquely suited to do what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, So just tell us a little bit about where did you study? How did you get into what you're doing? That kind of thing. Yeah. So I started, um, always wanted to do something with mental health, you know, helping people. Um, I went to Michigan State University, got my doctorate degree there in clinical psychology, focused on forensics, actually. I was going Mm. to work in uh, criminal justice, really wanted to do kind of the Jodie Foster, Silence of the Lambs type of thing, you know. Yeah, (laughs) really wanted to do that. And then, you know, God had other plans for me. But, um, you know, after I graduated, I started working, uh, doing a lot of psychological testing, some therapy. Um, And then I got back into church. I always grew up in the church. Um, That was something that, um, you know, my parents— had us do. We were in the church, went to Christian school. So Christianity has always been a part of me, part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so after grad school, I got back into it and um, started seeing some things in the church that were surprising, you know, uh, a lot of hurt, a lot of brokenness, mm-hmm. um, things that I didn't expect Christians to be experiencing, um, I guess, in my own kind of naive thinking. Um, and so I wanted to introduce psychology to the church um, to try to help people get out of that, you know, sadness or anxiety or fear. Um, and I was met with a lot of resistance, you know, people thinking, I just need faith. I just need Jesus. I just need to pray more, right? So, and yes, the Bible is healing. God is healing, not minimizing that. Um, but I also know that psychology and faith work really well together. And I wanted people to see that connection and really mm-hmm. understand the benefit of having the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my path drastically changed after that. Um, went from forensic psychology to Christian counseling, um, which was a new field for me. You know, I hadn't even thought about how the two went together. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised with the amount of research that was being done in the Christian psychology world and how people were using it, how Christian counselors were coming together. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. And you now the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's that I have been uh, fascinated with psychology since undergrad for me. I actually mm-hmm. uh, went to Eastern Michigan to be a math teacher and then... <clears throat> 
quickly moved into psychology. Mm. Well, after Psych 101, literally, mm-hmm. it took me, and I went deep down the trail, and then I met with a counselor, uh, and she said, well, where are you going to go uh, for your master's? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I'm going to make money. She yeah. goes, not without a master's, not in psychology <laughs> anyway. And I very quickly changed to business. <laughs> but it gripped me because this idea of we're all made beautifully and wonderfully, uniquely, you know, you can just look at an array of people and you're like, man, we're all so different. We mm-hmm. have different family of origin. And we were talking about church of origin mm-hmm. earlier. And and uh, it's like things just get tangled really fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I love that, that faith and psychology intersecting. So I guess that's what I would ask you is how do they intersect? If you could describe mm-hmm. that to somebody. So for me, it's all about the mind, right? So psychology is understanding the mind, understanding human behavior, our thoughts, our motivations, our our behaviors, our emotions, um, the whys. You know, when people come to therapy, that's what they want to know. Why do I act this way? Why do I feel this way? Why is my son acting like this? <laughs> you know, they want to know the whys. Um, or and sometimes <laughs> they don't want to know. <laughs> they right? don't want to know. Yes, yeah. that's true too. Yeah. Um, but that's a huge question, and, and psychology seeks to answer that question. That's what we want to do. We want to understand people. Um, and so we look at the mind. We look at what's going on, how brain chemistry affects our emotions, how um, – the structure of our brains, you know, memories and and fears and executive functionings, how all of these things play into mm. who we are and how we behave. And when you look at faith and our relationship with God, it starts in the mind too, right? Like to have faith, I have to believe God exists. That's a function of my mind, right? Mm-hmm. I have to believe that he died for me. I have to believe that he loves me. Those are all thoughts that we have to filter through our minds, Um what we experience when we read scripture, that's filtered through our mind. Um, when we hear sermons, that's filtered through our mind. And so if there are if our filter is off, right? If if how we're interpreting things is off, then everything is going to be distorted. And so um there's this this very essential overlap there between the mind. Um and the heart, you know, the church talks about the heart, what's in our heart, understanding our heart. Um, but you can't understand the heart without understanding the mind, I don't think. Are they the same thing? I think there's a difference. I do think there's a difference. I think, um, you know, when when I was in, in uh, seminary, we talked about how the heart in the Bible is used as— uh, sometimes it can mean mind, sometimes it can mean soul, right. you know, it has different translations. So there's sometimes an overlap. Um, but I do think there there is a unique mind and a unique heart mm-hmm. um, that are connected but are different. Yeah. It reminds me of um, something Dallas Willard used to say <clears throat> for our friends listening to this. They probably think I'm a gigantic Dallas Willard fan because I, I feel like I drop <laughs> his name pretty much in every podcast. But, you know, he was this philosopher. You know, he, he's passed away a few years ago, but with this kind of like actually a little bit like you in, in that he was theologically trained, but then also he worked at USC in the philosophy mm-hmm. department. So he had mm-hmm. this beautiful mm-hmm. overlap of these two areas of yeah. study. But one of the things that he used to consistently say is Jesus is the smartest person of all time. Mm-hmm. He's the most... Mm-hmm 
you know, brilliant person of all time. Mm-hmm. And I used to read that, I think it was in Divine Conspiracy and thought, well, yeah, okay, oh, of course, sure. <laughs> but then I read this verse that, you know, it just, it put it all into perspective. And it's really relevant to what we're talking about today. Uh, Matthew 15, 18 says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these are what defile them. Uh, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts. And and he goes on to describe those. And he, but he says, these are what defile a person. And so I, the dots connected for me in this, I, and I've got a question coming here for you, but yeah. the dots connected, it was like, well, what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the overflow of what's really going on inside of us, which means you'll have a job forever because we're all, Absolutely. right? We're all, yes. we're all a little bit messed up. <laughs> but my question to you is how does it get in the heart? Mm-hmm. So in some respects, it's already there. So when we look at the structure of the unconscious mind, we have the id, the ego, the superego. The id is what you would look at in the Bible as the flesh. You know, it's the carnal man. It it wants what it wants. It has no morals, no compass, no anything. And Mm so there's a lot of evil in the id itself. It's like our sinful nature. It's our sinful nature, right? The superego is the exact opposite. You know, it's it's loving kindness. It's let me give you the shirt off my back and my shoes and my socks. You know, it, it wants to mm-hmm. give everything. Um, and the ego is what moderates the two. The ego is the one that compromises. And so the ego is the one that kind of develops a moral compass and says, okay, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. This is our line, right? It kind of moderates the two. And the stronger the ego is, that one determines who wins, right? So yeah. the ego is is kind of the the ringleader there. So let me just see if I understand what you're saying. So you're saying we are born with sinful nature. I don't mm-hmm. most most Christians totally get that. That's the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also born with this beautiful part of us mm-hmm. who wants to do good, mm-hmm. love in our heart, thing, things like that. But then there's this thing in between that's trying to decide, well, which of the two am I going to choose? Yes. And that's our will. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, our will. And how that's developed is very much related to our experiences as children, um, how we are nurtured, how we are taught to treat people, how we are treated ourselves. Those childhood experiences have a huge impact on our moral development. And so if we um, we don't have a strong moral compass, then more of those evil thoughts mm-hmm. are going to come through. Mm. Um, if we have a stronger moral compass, then more of those super ego thoughts are going to come through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like family of origin, mm-hmm. culture of origin. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. were joking about church of origin, but that's really true. Yeah, like spiritual yeah. trauma is mm-hmm. a real thing. It's a real thing. All of these things, they inform us. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about what goes into the eyes and the ears? Because when I um, sit with you know, often young men and telling them about renewing your mind and, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, we're going to get there. This is the battleground for your faith, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I often say, hey, listen, what goes into the eyes and in the ears marinates in the mind and ultimately you make a decision if it gets to your heart. Mm -hmm. How does what goes into the eyes and the ears really play into like the the ego, superego, that kind of a thing? Yeah, that's how we experience our world. And that's what can reinforce what's already in our mind. And so when we talk about, um, some people are familiar with the idea of neuroplasticity, right? So we have 
certain neural pathways in our brain. And the more those pathways are um, activated, the stronger they are in our minds. And then we we can change them because of neuroplasticity, but it, it takes some time. It's like digging in a trench and then digging another mm-hmm. one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. work. Hard work. <laughs> Very right. hard work. That's right. Um, and so mm-hmm. what we see and what we hear can either reinforce the negative things that are happening in our brain, or they can reinforce the positive things that are happening in our brain. Mm -hmm. They can reinforce, you know, being loving and kind and generous, or they can reinforce, you know, the sinful nature um, and lead us down that path. It's got to be difficult when you see people come into your office who have accepted Christ as their Savior, declare allegiance and love for Him, but have a really tangled mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. because of what's happened to them in the past. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. I think that there's still a really strong misconception that Christians don't suffer, don't have negative experiences, mm-hmm. are somehow insulated from that because mm-hmm. of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bible just doesn't promise us that, you know. Um, and so in some ways, I feel like we aren't as alert to the things that are happening in our minds or how previous experiences maybe are affecting us because we have this false belief that, hey, I'm okay. I'm a Christian now. I'm good. I'm just going to, you know, go to church and live my life and everything will be fine. And we kind of forget to to pay attention to what's really happening in our mind. And I think if we we paid more attention to that, like plucking weeds out of a a garden, right? Like the more you do it, the less often you have to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) How much do you think self-awareness plays into that? Because I know, I feel like I've become a, my wife might disagree, (laughs) a more self-aware person the last five years. Mm -hmm. But I remember the first time somebody told me I was an intense person. I literally had no idea. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago. I, yeah. I hate to say that, uh, but it was like a light bulb switched on. Yeah. I mean, how does self-awareness and the desire to be self-aware, how does that play into Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Knowing what what's in your mind, knowing why you, you tick, you know, why you act a certain way, why you respond in certain ways. Um, it's that whole emotional intelligence mm-hmm. piece. Um, I did a presentation on emotional intelligence a few years ago. And, you know, it's it's very keen in the business world. Like, mm-hmm. that's what they talk about there. But we don't talk about it much in the church. Um, but there's so much value in, in self-awareness mm-hmm. in the church. You know, mm-hmm. the enemy tempts us because he knows where we're vulnerable. Yeah. If he knows better than I do, <laughs> because right. I'm not paying attention. You know, I yeah. don't know why chocolate cake tempts me, but brownies yeah. don't, right? But he does. Yeah. Um, and so that that self-awareness piece, I think, is so key to just understanding who we are, why we are a certain way, and then protecting us from certain vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where I'd love to start. I, I think it's been pretty documented that we think— negative thoughts like multiples of times more than we think mm-hmm. positive thoughts mm-hmm. and that's that kind of negative feedback loop what is the first step to becoming self-aware for the benefit of transforming our minds renewing our mind more towards Christ becoming who he's designed us to be i think it is embracing humility first mm. right not everything that goes through our minds is uh, fun to look at are fun to think about. And so 
um, there's some things in there that can make us feel shame, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that can be hard to talk about. And so there's a level of humility that I think has to precede self-awareness. You have to be willing to admit, yeah, I got some stuff going on here that is not okay, Mm -hmm. you know, that I need to take care of. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you get past that step, then you're looking at, okay, what are the emotions that I'm feeling? Our emotions are like um, warning signals, you know, to what's happening. They're kind of the first signal that we get that there's something going on. So if we're feeling anxious, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling angry, that's a warning sign. Like what's happening internally right now that I need to pay attention to? Um, And we're more likely to pay attention to our emotions than we are to pay attention to our thoughts. We want to get to the thoughts. That's, That's the meat. That's where we really find the information. Um, but we, we have to understand our emotions first and pay attention to those first. So I do often tell clients, you know, at the end of the day, reflect back on the day. Yeah. You know, what were you feeling today? What were you, um, what was a high point? What was a low point? You know, what was frustrating? You know, really just take some time, maybe get a journal, write some things out. Mm-hmm. And try to understand what happened. If you don't have a time every day, do it once a week, you know, but the more often you do it, the easier it will become to recognize when those shifts are mm-hmm. happening emotionally, and then you can pay attention to what's going on in your mind. So you just said pay attention to your emotions. Yeah. They're signals. Uh, but what are they signals for? Like what are, And how do you navigate? these emotions because they feel really heavy in the moment. I know Mm -hmm. for me personally, as a feeler on the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, feelings are not facts, but feelings do lead us to understanding what is going on in our minds. That is where the work takes place. So if I have a thought that I am not good enough and the feeling that I have is depression or sadness. I'm going to feel the depression before I, I understand the thought, right? So even though it, it occurs A to B, the thought and then the emotion, I'm not necessarily going to pay attention to the thought because if the thought's been there long enough, it, it's, I'm, I'm oblivious to it, right? Lack of self-awareness, it's part of my everyday experience, I don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. The emotion is what I pay attention to because the emotion is now keeping me from talking to my friends, keeping me mm-hmm. in my room, keeping me withdrawing from my small group, right? The emotion is now impairing my everyday experience. So the emotion is what's causing me the distress, mm-hmm. but the thought is what's causing the emotion. And so we want to get back to the thought if because if I change the thought, I've changed the emotion, Yeah. right? But the emotion is what people notice first. So it sounds like the emotion's true mm. and valid. Yes. Maybe not factual. Correct. Um, and the way to use that is to dig a layer deeper, ask a deeper question and say, well, what's really happening between mm-hmm. beneath the surface of my life? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, that's where the work begins. Yeah. Looking at patterns, journaling, and noticing what, if I look back over the last month, what have I been upset about? What are the things that have come up repeatedly, right? Where are the patterns in my thinking? Yeah. 
right? Then you that's when you really start to right, put some pieces together. Now we're building, right? This is therapy. Like, <laughs> this is what we do. Um, now you're, you're starting to build an understanding of yourself. So now you see these themes, okay? Every time, you know, this particular person criticizes me at work, I feel, you know, anxious or I feel angry. So, okay, what is it about this person that's so upsetting? Right now we have, you know, like a, a detective, right? We have some evidence that we can kind of chase and follow to really understand what needs to change in our thinking in order to actually improve mm-hmm. our mental health. So it, we're in this uh, second part of our season, and the second part of our season is about listening to God. Mm-hmm. And what's really intriguing to me is that psychology and faith intersect so beautifully. And if the intersection of them is how you take care of your mind, mm-hmm. I wonder um, how our voice, you know, in the last episode, we described the three voices, how our voice plays into this connection of like determining what God is saying that's true, what the enemy is saying that's not true. And then where do we fit in the middle of that? Right. So how how did the things that we think um, and the narratives that we tell ourselves, how does that wreak havoc on our connection with God? So if we have distorted thoughts, so thoughts that are not true, they're, they're, or they're a version of the truth, right? Um, those thoughts are going to override oftentimes anything that counters it. Right. So we have we talked about the negativity bias earlier. Our minds um, naturally gravitate toward what's negative. We also have a confirmation bias. So we tend to gravitate toward things that confirm what we already believe as opposed to oppose what we believe. Facebook knows that very well. Right, That's why exactly. the algorithm is the way it is. <laughs> so because yeah. of that confirmation bias— if I believe, for example, that I am not good enough, but the Bible tells me I'm more than a conqueror, I'm going to say, maybe someone else is more than conqueror, but I am not very adequate, right? I, because that's what I believe, right? So mm-hmm. that, again, that's the filter that everything goes through. Because of family of origin, yes. culture, because of all these inputs in your life. Yes, yes. There are direct or indirect messages, you know, that we received that, you know, we weren't good enough or we weren't smart enough or um, there's certain themes they are called core beliefs that we have about ourselves. So these core beliefs um, can be around helplessness, worthiness, um, lovability, and danger, if the world's a dangerous place or not, okay, if people are trustworthy or not. And so the experiences we have as children can form these core beliefs within us, and those core beliefs filter into um, they're the root, right? So so we they're unconscious, but they filter into our conscious mind through other types of thoughts that we have. And so um, they can be hard to access. And with therapy, we can get there, but they they do. They wreak havoc in what we what we think and how we interpret scripture, how we interpret sermons, how we apply those things to our lives um, because we believe one thing. And the Bible or the sermons are contradicting that belief. It is really interesting when we are confronted with the truth, the cognitive dissonance. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can sit in and be like, 
I know that to be true, but I, I, can't, I have a hard time believing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we overcome that? Yeah, that's something we do um, that comes up in therapy often. You know, head head knowledge versus heart knowledge, right? I know it in my head, Mm -hmm. but I can't get it down into my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we look at what are the potential barriers. Um, First, we look for sin, right? Is there anything that needs to be confessed, anything that, any unforgiveness, resentment that we have that we need to to release? Um, And then we look at our thoughts about God, right? Is there something that, and, and Christians struggle with this. There's a lot of shame around it. But is there something about God that you don't believe? Do you not believe that God is good? Do you not believe he's gracious? Do you not believe that he's merciful? Oh, you're 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 hitting a lot of pain points right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I mean, that, yes, yes, some of those for me. But I just, mm-hmm. the more we sit with men and women, mm-hmm. the more we start to realize, like, when we believe things that are not true, not only do you— believe things about yourself that's not true, but you ultimately believe things about God that's yeah. not true. Yeah, and it's so hard for Christians. We There's there's so much shame connected to the idea of um, thinking of God as less than perfect, you know, because we know it, we're taught it. Um, and so to believe that, uh, you know, God, yeah, he's loving, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the experience that we can have sometimes when we've gone through traumas or we've had, you know, horrible experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it distorts the truth. It distorts that reality. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the reasons why I believe that listening to God, learning to listen for his voice is so key. Mm-hmm. Because our narratives and our um, feelings often can betray us. They're they're not facts, like you said. They're they're not true. So how do we find out what is true? We have to rely on the things he has already said through his word mm-hmm. and the things that he wants to currently say to us through the filter of his word, right? But listening to his voice is not easy if you don't know what his voice sounds like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often, the, you know, we talked about in the last episode the three voices, God's voice, the enemy's voice, and our voice. And... So I'd love to just ask you, describe those three voices. What do they, what do they, how would you describe that to somebody else if, if you were telling about those three voices? Yeah. So God's voice, you know, the Bible describes it, it's still a small voice, right? So for us to hear God, it's going to be a lot more challenging if we have anxiety, you know, in our mind, if our mind is racing, right? We need to be in a quiet place to be able to hear him. It, it can break through a lot of the distortions, mm-hmm. right? And so the emotion that we were feeling of anxiety is now gone and we feel peace, mm-hmm. right? God will never contradict himself. So mm-hmm. everything that you hear from God is going to align with scripture. And so you know it's an absolute truth. And mm-hmm. so you can't you can't know God's voice without knowing his word. Like you have to be able yeah. to get in scripture and use that as your foundation. Oftentimes when I'm counseling, I encourage people Read your Bible every day. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to change your thoughts, change how you're thinking, you have to get into the Word daily. Absolutely. The enemy's voice, he's so subtle, right? So the enemy, he creates doubt in us. So we'll have a lot of questions going through our minds when the enemy is is around. He distorts truth. And so it'll kind of sound true. Like, ah. <laughs> Best lies are 99% yeah. true. Yep. <laughs> kind of sounds pretty good. But when you really step back and and— Compare it to what God has actually said and compare it to the word, mm-hmm. you know, you will see that 
distinction. Like, yeah. no, this is not actually true. I think he also distracts, you know, so he'll he'll kind of start to bring up things from childhood or 50 years ago or, you know, like, why am I thinking about this? I'm trying to pay attention to the sermon and I'm, you know, thinking about grocery shopping. Like, what's mm-hmm. going on? I, mm-hmm. You know, the enemy can distract us too. And so anytime we have confusion in our minds or um, we have any type of doubts or fears, you know, that's when you're you're thinking this is enemy talk, mm-hmm. perhaps. And then our voice, our voice sounds, our voice sounds like oftentimes criticism. You know, our voice can be pretty negative, and so we'll, we'll criticize. Our voice can be full of questions. We're trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Our voice will sound like people we know. It will reflect um, things that we've heard in our past. And so sometimes people even say, like, yeah, it sounded like my dad was in my head, you know, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, it will start to sound like the people that had the most significant influence on us. Or the environment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, or as simple as your social media feed. Correct. Yep. 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 The thing, whatever we are putting into our minds, mm-hmm. right, the eyes and ears, mm-hmm. that is what is going to circulate in our minds. And so we have to evaluate what is actually happening mm-hmm. uh, in our minds and compare that to the word, compare that to scripture and see what aligns and what doesn't. When we're self-aware, or at least uh, recognize the emotion, Mm -hmm. what's really interesting to me is if I sit long enough in that, then all of a sudden I've got these three voices floating around in my head, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, for a long time, I really struggled with anger. There it is again. You flew off the handle Mm -hmm. and you sit in it. It's really difficult to distinguish between those three voices. You did it again. Shame. Mm Mm-hmm. I know God says he loves me, but I can't get over the shame. And then my critical voice. Mm-hmm. How do we overcome that? It sounds like a broken record, but you repeat it until you believe it. Like you, if there's one scripture that connects with you, you commit that scripture to mind. You repeat it every day. If there's a, a reframe, so I'm not a bad person, but I have... Um, you know, good qualities and bad qualities, right? So that's how we would reframe that distorted thought of I'm a bad person. Mm. Um, so you you reframe it. You look at what's the evidence. You come up with new thoughts that are actually true and that are biblically based. And those are the thoughts that you choose to dwell on. And it's hard. It's like lifting weights. You know, it's just mm-hmm. you've been thinking this way for years, decades, some people. And and so to change what you think, um, it takes time, it takes a lot of energy, but it is possible. You know, it's definitely mm-hmm. possible, but it it's a lot of repetition. You know, again, when you go back to digging that trench, you know, you're creating a new trench in your brain by repeating these, these phrases or positive thoughts or, you know, scriptures that lead to a totally different outcome than you did before. It's almost like you've got to re- you got to change the filter in your yeah. mind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The filter in your mind is I'm an angry person. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I had an angry moment. Yes. God's doing something in me. Mm-hmm. I can hang on to that and it can happen, but it's the renewing of our minds. Yeah. Yeah. And the enemy fights it. You know, when you first start, that's the hardest part, mm-hmm. you know, the first couple of weeks of trying to do something new, but it is possible with that repetition. 
I'm so glad uh, you let us in your office today <laughs> to have this conversation. Um, if you're open to it, if you want to tell the world yeah. your info, how, how would somebody get a hold of you? Yeah, well, I work at Radiate Counseling in Troy. And uh, yeah, call me. Go to our website, radiatecounseling.com, or give me a call. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.